This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. You're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go beyond the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Philip C. On today's show, I speak to Ned Tanjayun, editor of ESG at The Edge Malaysia, as we get a sense on how the ESG, short for Environmental, Social and Governance, is covered by journalists such as ourselves in Malaysia. Ned, thanks for taking your time to join us. How did you get into journalism, especially in the focus on ESG and sustainability? Yeah, so I actually... I'm one of the rare ones that I actually studied journalism uh, in my university days, but I also minored in environmental studies. Mm. Um, so back then, um, environmental science wasn't as big as it was now. Um, and I was very interested in it, but I also wanted to become a journalist. So that's how I ended up there. And when I came back to uh, Malaysia after my studies, um, I applied for a journalism job. So actually my first stint was in BFM uh, for half a year. Yeah, before I went to the edge. So back then, there weren't any environmental journalism jobs that I found. So the only opportunities I found were in business journalism, which is how I got into BFM, the edge, and covering investments and wealth for mm. four or five years. And um, But always trying to have that different angle as well, looking at sustainable investments, uh, green SMEs, etc. until last year when when uh, my bosses uh, told me that they wanted to start an ESG section. And so that's how I started doing this um, fully. I wonder, right, prior to creating that section, in yeah. your mindset, whenever you cover a business story, did you always have a sustainability angle or thought process, right, at the back of your head whenever uh-huh. you covered a story? Or were you very clear-cut that, or you took a very clean business perspective about it? I think... I took quite a business perspective about it, especially when I first started. But I think sustainability is not just about the environmental aspect. So because I spent most of my time before this covering uh, personal finance, wealth, investments. So um, back then being like a 20-something year old as well, the democratization of investments um, and asset classes was something that was very dear to me, which I think if we put it in the ESG lens would be under the S, so financial inclusion. And so... I always had that angle, but it was not because like, oh, I want to cover sustainability, but I think it was because it was very relevant to myself back then. And that's how I had that angle. I think it's so interesting because like in Malaysia, especially, some will always say from an ESG standpoint, we actually put quite a lot of effort on the G side, right? And S has been really come has come to the fore quite a lot, right? With with challenges over human rights, labor rights, uh, with the palm oil companies. That actually is the element that we are kind of a bit behind the curve when you compare to other countries, right? That actually in the beginning process, right? We 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 start we started spending quite a bit of time on the G and S side. Do you agree with that assessment? Actually, I think definitely on the G, um, because so we primarily cover here in the PLC, so the capital market players, right? So governance has always been a key point that investors look at. So I think that's a given. And on S, I think because human rights is a very, you know, there's there's no way about it. Like you shouldn't export human, you shouldn't export children, for example. And so I think we've had a lot of headway on that as well. But environment is the area that we haven't, it's very new. And that's why there's so much attention on it. And I think, um, that's why we are a bit behind as well on the e side. Mm. So I think that's natural. Yeah. Mm. And this is the challenge, right? Because 
we talk about sustainability, you got to couple it with business sustainability, right? I mean, the example you talk about the democratization has that element of at least integrating with business sustainability, but many components of ESG sometimes are tension with the whole concept of business sustainability, isn't it? Or even profitability, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I think that's where a lot of, well, actually, I don't know if clashing is the right word. I think definitely if you take a very short-term lens, it is clashing because, you know, the simplest sense, you have to, I have to hire someone else to do the reporting, um, yeah. things like that. And so there is definitely more cost in the short run and you wonder if there's any returns, right? Or, uh, or like, okay, I have to establish a human rights policy or grievance channel, etc. Like, what are, what are the financial returns of mm-hmm. doing that? Or what are the financial returns of having an employee well-being program? But if you take the long-term Lens, I do think companies see the benefits there, but then there's the then we have to think about like okay, well, at what point does it make sense? And I think that's the difficult part, like trying to figure out at what point how how can we balance that financial profitability with all these other concerns? Because financial profit profitability is also very important. Mm. I think that, that that I think is true, and I think you're right. It's about the intersection of the timeline, right? And what kind of horizon are you looking at to make those decisions that are key? Uh, but I guess the concern, and you made a very interesting point, right? That there's actually a lot of investment in the data side, uh, and that's core, right? To make sustainability really stand out, in which you're anchored by data and facts. As a journalist, do you sometimes smell a rat when someone is telling a story, but actually it's not substantiated by facts? It's just hot air fundamentally, right? Can you smell a rat when you when you hear a story, when you see a story like that? Well, I definitely need to improve my sense of uh, smell, but <laughs> <laughs> I think some very obvious ones sometimes I get is like because sustainability is thrown around so much now, mm. as a, and ESG is a buzzword, and every time when I ask more questions, I will kind of know whether that person understands what they're talking about, especially if they just throw around a bunch of jargons and buzzwords and that's all they can say. Um, that's, a, that's a very big like red flag. Lah. And then also reading through their sustainability reports, unless they can give very clear data for the indicators that they're reporting on. Um, and if, if they're just using a bunch of beautiful big words and descriptive language, which, which you can see sometimes in reports, then like I know that it's they're, they're either they don't have the data or they're not doing anything. And I, I, this is the biggest challenge, right? Because it's always the distinction between being and doing, isn't it? Many people declare all these broad goals of the being side, but actually they don't substantiate it with the actions, the doing side, right? That's, I think, one of the biggest challenges you see in corporate Malaysia. Do you see a lot of people extol the virtues of sustainability, but actually don't back it up with actions? Is that quite rampant in this part of the world? I think, well, I don't know if, I don't know if I can say rampant. Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't know how to quantify that. Mm. Very careful with like um, models, generalized statements. But the yeah, I think the figuring out if companies are saying as they do is very difficult. Um, even if they say the report has been assured, you know, is it internally assured, externally assured, partially assured? Even then, you look at the data and you're like, I, I don't know. You don't. We won't know if it's mm. accurate or not. Yeah. And um, so I think that's a problem. And then the way we assess companies on how, how well they are doing on ESG as well. Right now, a lot of it is on what they report, uh, publicly available information. So I think we will need to figure out how to measure not just reporting, which is also important because it's like encouraging transparency, yeah. um, but also the doing part. And I think that's the more difficult part to assess. 
It is, it is tough because at the moment, while we have seen some efforts to put some benchmarks like TCFD and even putting in pain regional taxonomies, right? The awareness of these baseline information points is still not available, right? So people cannot uh, contrast what they do versus what actually is being measured or required, isn't it, as a baseline? Yeah. So even with like TCFD reports, when I read, when I read companies' TCFD reports, you know, it's very descriptive, right? They talk about their yeah. risks, their opportunities. And in the end, after I read it, I'm like, okay, did did the consultant write that? Um, <laughs> and then, okay, well, the company, did who read the report? Are they actually taking this into consideration in their strategy? Or is it just a report? And because it's so descriptive, it's narrative, I, yeah. I do wonder what is the impact. And that's why there are all these also other benchmarking analytics platforms, right? Like Sustainalytics and all that. Does the H and, and you, you know, look at those as well to kind of compare and contrast and benchmark the data and insights? Well, so we don't um, compare the data in a sense that like, because we don't do the ratings and and, and all that. Um, and also a lot of this are, uh, unless you pay, you, you won't get it. But uh, because we do do the ESG awards and uh, from that, we work with FTSE and Bursa on the data, uh, ESG ratings data. And to be honest, I think, you know, a lot of companies are also struggling to understand, mm, you know, how yes. do you boil down ESG into like one number? <laughs> and, and how do you score all these things, right? And it can get quite complicated. But I understand we're still in the beginning of the journey and, yeah. and encouraging transparency is important because like FTSE, they only score you based on uh, publicly available information. So whatever you put out, which is a good thing. Um, but, you know, how much of that is translated into action? I don't know. We're heading into some messages and when we come back, we continue our discussion with Ned Tanjayun, editor of ESG at The Age Malaysia. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Today on the show, Ned Tanjayun, Direct Editor of ESG at the Edge Malaysia. And Ned, let's just focus on the monthly publication of the ESG pullout from the Edge Malaysia. What is the process to produce this pullout? So we come out every third week of the month and then I have a team, uh, my colleagues, but we work on three different sections. So the ESG, Wealth and Digital Edge. So it's uh, quite a bit of juggling as we try and figure out what areas to cover. But since I'm the editor, so I will keep an eye out for events and uh, conferences and press conferences. Um, and I will go out and meet people. My colleagues will go out and meet people as well as we try and identify what are some of the big issues and topics to cover. And um, so in the beginning of the year as well, I would just kind of brainstorm and think about what are the big issues and big trends that will come mm -hmm. up this year and you know, from there, whatever events we cover, whoever we talk to can kind of relate to that bigger picture of what's going on uh, within the ESG space. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course, this year, of course, Netter is a very big uh, outcome from the government of Malaysia, the new energy transition roadmap. In tandem, we have COP28 also taking place in, you know, less than a month's time, right? So I'm sure a lot of your news coverage is centered or focused or revolved around a lot of what is happening, not only in the local scene, but global scene as well. Yeah, so to be honest, I, have, I haven't done too much focus on the global scene, to be honest, this year. And I think that's because there is so much going on locally in Malaysia. And I, I feel like there's already so, much, so many articles out there about, you know, COP28. We should um, push for the developed countries to do more and, you know, loss and damage fund and um, financing. And, but I feel like what's missing is the local 
angle here in Malaysia about ESG and sustainability here, um, what can be done, what should be done, and instead of all the narratives about, ah, we have to push developing, for example, we have to push developed countries to give financing to developing countries, um, you know, I would rather right now look at, well, okay, how are our local banks providing financing and or how are our local companies finding that uh, financial capability to begin transforming their processes. I personally felt like in this year, I felt like that was a more important narrative to tell. Mm. Um, so a very much bottom-up approach, right? Right, Really telling how individual institutions, organizations, companies, individuals are trying to make a difference, right? As opposed to what the broader macro trends and themes are. That seems to be the shift in focus. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, definitely it will touch on like the global themes and trends like uh you know the the eu deforestation regulations carbon taxes all these things are um global trends right and um the focus on loss and damage would be on adaptation so uh, this global trends translated into the local context mm. what are people doing about it uh, mm. what should we do about it things like that yeah it must be interesting when you engage with corporates about whether they can feature you right? i'm sure there's this whole tension about some corporates really excited to be featured in your pullout because it's the latest trend happening. At the same time, there's also some reticence from some quarters because they feel that they may not want to expose or talk too much as well. You know, I want to get your experience. How has it been easy to talk to businesses to help, you know, cover their perspectives of sustainability and ESG then? For me, sometimes the companies when I talk to, they don't feel ready to talk. Yeah. And, you know, on that sense, then I would just chat with them about why. And you know, sometimes it's just because they are doing something, but they don't feel like it's ready to be shared yet. Mm. Yeah, not good enough, etc. And, um, you know, sometimes I think a lot of companies, but this applies to anything, you know, want to tell the good story, the nice story. Um, whereas I want to not just find out the nice story, but want to find out how they did it. What were the challenges? What were their failures? Yeah, I think, yeah. you know, that for me in this past year, that was something I really wanted to highlight as well. I think there's so much news and talk about I, it's on it's two sides right either it's one uh, people just slamming companies for greenwashing and saying that you know this is all not true and then on the other hand there are um, a lot of the very advertising marketing driven articles about oh these are all the great things they're doing but I feel like I want to strike something somewhere in the middle where you know I want to talk about I want to show how companies in Malaysia are doing um, mm -hmm. the transition um, and how did they do it? What are the challenges? Because I think these are important stories to tell so that other other companies can also learn from them. Um, but also not, not saying that they don't greenwash, of course, but I think, you know, just we can't generalize and say that everybody's greenwashing. We have to find a solution and a way forward. And I think the way forward will have to be telling stories of how people are doing it and their challenges. I guess when you speak to these businesses and corporates, uh, do you sense frustration that they're doing it alone or that they're not getting enough support? Generally, when you talk to them, right, especially in Malaysia, what, what is their ask, right? What is their wish list, actually? Is it about greater consumer awareness? Is it about government support? Is is it about getting industry collaborated together, more coordinated? What generally are the central themes? Are there? Is there actually a central theme then? All of those, all of those, especially <laughs> money, like more incentives, more grants. <laughs> Yes, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. And I presume the big distinction also is that the conversation is very different between the larger corporates and MNCs versus what you see with the small medium enterprises, right? I'm sure the larger MNCs are more adept in, you know, answering or responding to your perspectives, right? 
exactly yeah because they have more resources to do it as well and they have there's a more of a why for them to do it at this point i think compared to smaller companies mm. so how do we get smaller companies you know highlighting all the great things or the challenges they face right because that really is the central challenge that we have to address right in your experience how do we get smaller businesses also embracing it and not be afraid to take the risk and challenge of adopting esg practices then well i think there are actually like uh, that's a, that was a big theme this year um smes like everybody is just talking about it banks and the government agencies and um all the organizations are coming up all types of resources and financing packages and workshops targeting smes so to be honest there are a lot of resources out there for them yeah. i think it's just making it as easy as possible for them to do it um and also like establishing the why why they have to do it because i think if the why is not there then they they won't do it but i also think that the bigger companies so i've i know some of the bigger companies here they are assisting their suppliers to do it and i think they you know maybe they do have that responsibility to assist their sme suppliers to get on board um you know either through providing resources or some fine funding or workshops etc mm-hmm. yeah and and probably like more esg content in not in english you don't mind me asking you a personal question i mean this year you've probably gone for many ESG conferences, right? Mm. Are you having conference fatigue? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so are you picky and choosy about which conferences to attend? Because like, if I recall this year, so many, I mean, nearly every one, two weeks, there's a ESG type of sustainability forum, conference, event happening, right? And are they all the same eventually? Almost. Like they all talk about very similar things. So yes, I'm quite picky with which ones I attend. But at the same time, sometimes it's about, you know, I, I was I was trying to check my privilege, to be honest, at one of these events when I, I mentioned that. Well, I feel like all these conferences talk about the same things and it's all the same. But then I started talking to some of the participants and they are, you know, they're not the management, um, sorry, not the, they're not the C-suites. They are not the, yeah. uh, but they are the executives, the ones who actually have to implement the plans that they are also say. And, you know, for them, they don't attend as many conferences as um, mm. other people. So I was just talking to one of them and she she found the conference really helpful and she was just, she was taking notes and she was sharing it with me about how her boss wants her to run this certain type of program. She's not sure how. So she came to this, com- uh, so she came to this conference and, she was taking notes and she met some people and she was like oh yeah these are very helpful um, connections and information so you know maybe i have conference fatigue because i i have i am privileged enough to attend so many of them mm, but, but not everybody has that right yeah so i do think about that and, and i do wonder um <laughs> <laughs> it's such an interesting point because the the real concern is that you know, it's really important that we keep the momentum, right, in, in these really hard changes. But there is this worry that people are getting fatigued, people are getting tired about this whole sustainability. I mean, you even see that backlash in the United States already, right? Are you worried that we've had so many conversations that that it has to come in tandem with tangible actions, right, so that we build that momentum and eliminate that fatigue? Yeah, exactly. I, that's a question I've been asking myself and I'm wondering if that will be something to look into next year as well, whether there will be that fatigue that will push back that we see not just in the, the States, but in, you know, EU and in the UK as well. And I think, yeah, if we push, if we push people too fast, too hard, that will happen. And so, yeah, I think that's something to consider. But I think very interestingly in Malaysia, because we increased our electricity tariffs and um, water as well coming. Yeah. And so, you know, this things, they increase it not because of ESG, but you know, because of other financial concerns, you know, yes. and because of that, it accelerated the ESG adoption, right? Uh, 
energy efficiency, water efficiency, renewable energy. So I, I found that interesting to observe. Like, will there be a pushback on ESG because of that? I don't know, actually. But it's yeah, just interesting yeah. dynamic to come. Uh, it is very interesting. Happen. Yeah, because if you think about it, the macro shifts actually will also shift how we think about it, right? We think about next year. Many say, look, with subsidy being rationalized, there'll be some conversations that will ignite on ESG, whether pull or push fundamentally. You're seeing a softening of the economic demand, perhaps, mm -hmm. right? So weaker economy as we enter to next year, right? All these macro factors actually will shape how we approach and think about sustainability, right, as a whole. Exactly. And like all these things like subsidy rationalization was not done because of ESG uh, concerns. Yep. So there might not be a pushback on ESG because of that. But I do definitely think there will be a pushback on ESG in terms of developed countries' uh, demands on us. I think that, mm -hmm. that will definitely be there. That was Ned Tanjayun, editor of ESG at the H Malaysia. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Coming up next is the 10 a.m. News Bulletin, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.